0: Listening to the news at one. The country's acute hospitals have been told by the health service executive that for the next two weeks, they should prioritise urgent care and treatment of COVID patients, deferring, if necessary, elective or planned procedures. The number of patients with COVID in hospital has risen this morning to 884. That's an increase of 80 on yesterday, while the number in ICU is, da- is at 90, down three on yesterday's figure, as high COVID figures this week begin to feed into hospitals. In a letter to hospitals, the chief executive of the HSE, Paul Reid, says the sharp escalation in COVID nineteen cases has placed healthcare systems under great pressure. Paul Reid joins us now from our Sligo studio. A very good afternoon to Paul Reid, and welcome to the News at One. Good afternoon, Brian. And can, happy New Year to you, and it's very Happy New Year to you. Can can I ask you to outline to our listeners what has prompted this letter from you today? Yeah, just brief context uh, follows discussions
1: that I had throughout yesterday with the hospital group CEOs in particular and some of our consultants around the country and three kind of contexts why we've issued a letter today. First of all, it's the obvious impact that Omicron is having on our healthcare services across the board. Uh, Secondly, specifically related to the hospitalised COVID positive cases, it has gone from 360 about 10 days ago to now 884, as you mentioned. And thirdly, and particularly the staff impacts we are seeing, which are significant numbers of staff now out, Uh, with COVID-related sicknesses and and that's a major impact for us. So what it to note, is it does follow on consistently from the uh, letter that I issued on the 18th of November when we were dealing with the uh, Delta, I guess, wave in that particular time. So it's a consistent operational approach based on that and it does set out uh, clear priorities for all of the services to focus on and they are simply uh, time-dependent care, which is really important, emergency care, uh, COVID-related care, and importantly for us keeping testing and tracing and indeed vaccinations safe uh uh, resources going. So it sets out priorities uh, for this on um, a national basis, but also a number of steps to help us in terms of resourcing. So, one is the appropriate use of the derogation, mm-hmm. uh, two is utilising integrated care between our community and hospital system, and thirdly and importantly is utilising the private hospital capacity, which we have and have been very supportive with us on. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I want to particularly come back to the derogation in a moment for health healthcare staff who are close contacts, but you say in your letter that as of now we cannot say how much higher cases will escalate and at what time we will reach the peak of this omicron wave now in their worst case scenario nephit we're talking about a figure of perhaps two thousand people needing hospital uh, treatment at the peak of this um, is, is that still at least in prospect that kind of uh, those kind of numbers at some point yeah
1: uh, and look we'll take the modeling and the guidance from nefft and that's where we get our source of what what might happen next uh, specifically related to the numbers and indications what might hospitalize i mean where we all trying to avoid to get to is where we were last January and uh, of 2021 in essence where we were 2020 people in hospital and 220 people in ICU. Uh, the numbers of escalation certainly the last few days have been a real level of concern. Thankfully we haven't seen that transmission to ICU and talking to our lead ICU consultants yesterday. Primarily what they are dealing with at the moment are Delta related long term cases uh, but we still don't know that kind of lag effect between those sharp. Rise and hospitalizations, uh, and if that severity transmits into ICU, and that's that is our concern in, com- in the coming
0: week in particular. Yesterday we had a, a um, confirmed cases uh, just under seventeen thousand. Um, are you expecting that number will be higher today? Yeah, and look, if you look at the
1: case numbers again over a similar ten day period, ten days ago it was at about five thousand seven hundred, which sometimes we lose context of all of this, and, and that's what it was at ten days ago. We've had days now of. Uh, over 22,000 almost 23,000 uh, on a daily basis so yes we do expect uh, case numbers uh, we've no indications that we are at the peak of this just yet that's not what we're all experiencing what we're seeing in the community it's not what we're seeing in the daily case numbers uh, and we do know we've put extra capacity on our PCR testing overall and antigen testing uh, we do know a
0: significant draw on that uh, That there's no indication that we are at the peak just yet uh, in, in relation to the pattern of illness is it possible at this stage to discern any, any trends with regard to Omicron? Is is it, for example, are you seeing it that that perhaps it's less serious uh, even with those who present in hospital that maybe people are are spending a a shorter period of time in hospital? Is any of that clear?
1: Yeah, well, again, talking to, I'll take my lead on this from consultants I've been talking to throughout Christmas. um, Certainly indications are with what has been experienced across Europe is a severity of illness uh, is not as strong at an individual level so the cases that we are seeing whether they're coming into the emergency department are indeed being hospitalised but I would make a couple of points on this it's been very clear with other health systems as well it's the force of the impact of the volume of cases that poses the real threat uh, specific threat to this from our health system but also the impact on our healthcare staff being out so these high transmission levels the force of the impact at such a scale and such a numbers coming into our hospital system and look nobody wants to end up in hospital with COVID uh, and that's the reality for all of us so it's it's the force of cases uh, certainly early indications which we should take some level of comfort from as a le- level of severity is not as strong but again we would rather see over the next week what transmits from those cases now to ICU to have a clearer picture on that
0: Yeah, You identify uh, uh, the, the impact of the, the cases being hospitalised as uh, one of the reasons for your letter today to data hospitals but also staff shortages related to COVID-19 infection or Contact. What are the latest in terms of number of, of st- healthcare staff who are out because of that?
1: Yeah, if you just look at the trajectory over the last four to six weeks, as we were in the middle of uh, Delta, I suppose we were at about six thousand staff out with various COVID-related uh, illnesses and absence. Um, just prior to Christmas that did come down if you like as we were nearly exiting the delta wave it came down to just around 4,000 has risen over the Christmas period to we will have a f- fully uh, figure uh, identified from our census uh, by tomorrow and certainly a Thursday at the latest this week but all indications are most certainly we're probably back up around that 6,000 figure and possibly and likely more I mean if I just give you sometimes it's good to give s- specific examples of the scale how this escalated over two or three day period many of our hospitals as we talking to the system yesterday uh, you know, they went from 60 uh, staff, frontline staff out of, software for example, Galway or Letterkenny, 60 staff out. And then over a two or three day period, now up over 200 or 240. Uh, University Hospital in Limerick, 240 staff. St. James's in Dublin, 250 staff, frontline staff. Tala, 160 and Wardford, 150. So um, it was the scale and the impact over a very short period of time. Now, thankfully, some of those are coming back from their periods of isolation. Uh, and but ultimately it 's still a high transmission level and
0: there is a derogation from from self isolating for healthcare care staff as long as they 've been vaccinated clearly, uh, and that they 're not showing any symptom symptoms, but they do have to have a negative antigen test now are, are there supplies adequate supplies of antigen tests in the system to be able to meet that demand?
1: Yeah, and just firstly on the derogation process, uh, it's it's it is a derogation which we've had in place since the start of COVID with our healthcare workers and it is used appropriately uh, in terms of, and the case, as you just described now, is vaccinated, boosted and asymptomatic, so not, not anybody who's symptomatic. And then there's a monitoring process as people come back. We have distributed some antigen testing across the system in terms of some of our healthcare workers. Overall, what we have done in terms of antigen testing is our antigen capacity and supply is both between our PCR capacity... Uh, and our antigen testing, we've brought our antigen testing capacity now up over three hundred and fifty thousand. And as you know now, that's being utilised also as part of the case definitions for those in the ages of four to thirty nines who are showing symptoms. And yesterday we went live with that. And to those age categories four to thirty nines who are symptomatic, you know, forty five thousand antigen tests were distributed yesterday. We distributed almost sixty thousand in total antigen tests yesterday. But it's not a, it's not a finite resource. So we would be urging the public uh, to please use this appropriately uh, where you are symptomatic and where you are in that age group.
0: And in relation to PCR, the definitive PCR tests, uh, are are the problems that have been much ventilated now in relation to getting an appointment for one of those? Is that just going to continue as long as the numbers remain as high as they are?
1: Yeah, I think the next few few days as people are fed up to listen to us all saying but I think over the next few days we'll see what the demand uh, capacity continues at but certainly right now we are continuously stretched across the country some areas more than other we are prioritising the referrals from GPs and clinical referrals Uh, so it is under significant stress still Uh, we have brought that capacity up to 300,000 so if you like between PCR capacity now and our antigen distribution it's about 650,000 per week which is about just over 13% of the population so you know we do have we have strengthened that capacity it is under significant stress at the moment i think the next week will tell a picture in terms of what the demand levels are, are going to continue at
0: and just to, to return to your your request to hospitals today to prioritize we we're talking about it earlier unscheduled covid19 care and urgent time sensitive work is the way you describe it what's that going to mean for people who have elective procedures uh, planned scheduled over the next number of weeks i mean are they are they in all likelihood going to be deferred
1: well, just a couple of things. Firstly, we, many of the hospitals would have already been implemented this already. As I said, we did write out in the end of November. So many hospitals were already uh, suspending elective care with the pressure that are on there, with the staff impacts that they're receiving. We have put a 14-day period on this, so we'll assess it. We'll, we'll certainly assess it prior to that. We'll assess it within a seven-day period, and we'll assess it again in, in a 14-day period, particularly in terms of the impacts of, uh, on the public and patients. Uh, we will try to mitigate that to the greatest extent that we can, but there are impacts. Uh, we will utilise private hospital capacity uh, as part of uh, to try to address some of that. Um, but, you know, people, I, I think the reality of it is we will have to spend, in on, on, on many cases, uh, elective care and we'll monitor it over this 14-day period.
0: Can I just before I let you go Paul Reid ask you about a story that's appeared in some of the papers over the last number of days it, it's in relation to uh, your availing of a, of a car uh, provided I believe by BMW and a driver an army driver at, at various stages last year um, travelling between your HSE headquarters in Dublin and your home in, in Leitrim in Carrick-on-Shannon now the reports say that you, you availed at this service at the same time as claiming a car allowance as head of the HSE what, is that the case?
1: No, happy to clarify that, Brian. Look, the very nature of my role is it does involve extensive travel to meetings and services all across the country. I'm provided with a company car for this purpose, uh, so I don't receive allowance. Uh, what I do have is a personal benefit and kind liability and tax, which is normal practice for somebody who receives a, um, a, a company car if mm-hmm. you like and for a very short period of time uh, in the period between March and June of 2020 uh, you know we were all working there's no doubt about 18 hours a day uh, you know relentlessly seven days a week uh, and there were a, a number of occasions throughout that period where I did uh, seek based on safety and some near misses for myself did seek the support of uh, uh defence forces and a driver but for on, on a number of instances in that period
0: Right. And and that that ceased after June, did it, last Absolutely.
1: Once the restrictions removed, that ceased.
0: Paul Reed, Chief Executive of the Health Service Executive, thanks for talking to us on the programme. It's not affordable nor sustainable to keep regularly vaccinating everyone on the planet against COVID-19, according to one of the UK's lead...